Welcome back to the Training with Tucker podcast. This is episode 74. And today I'm going to be talking about a few different things. I'm going to start off with a little story time, and then I'm going to go into my tips for how you can PR in your fall marathon. So to kick things off, I'm going to tell a little story going back uh, a number of years to my senior year of high school. And I was inspired to tell this story for a couple of reasons. One, after the last two interview podcasts with Michael Wardian and Meg Morgan, I thought that this story might be relevant. And I'm also about to head into the fall cross-country season. And so I've had conversations with many of my high school athletes about prioritizing cross-country and having to make some difficult decisions about different extracurriculars that they are doing and uh, these kids are very very busy and have a lot of things on their plate and trying to decide what they are prioritizing for the fall season so I wanted to tell this story so going back to my senior year of high school I had been on the track team every year of my high school career uh, in the spring that was my main sport and so going into the uh, senior spring, I decided that I was not going to do track and instead I was going to try out for the lacrosse team. My dad played college lacrosse and um, I had throughout my childhood, you know, had many just catches in the backyard with my dad. I had fairly decent stick skills on my right side, not much on the left side, but felt like I had enough skills to at least give myself a a chance to try out for the team. And I had a lot of friends in the team, uh, including some of the guys that I played hockey with. And so I wanted to, to give it a shot. And uh, coming in, being a smaller guy with a running background, I did quite well in the, in the running portion of tryouts as a lot of a lot of uh, high school sports will will have early on try to you know get people into shape quick and, and do a fair amount of of running whether it's uh, you know sprints up and down the field or going around the field and whatnot and so I think that that probably helped me make the team and I I had good enough stick skills that I was able to to make the team and I was pretty much a a bench player and. Really didn't uh, didn't play a whole heck of a lot, but I had an amazing time. I made a lot of new friends. Um, it was great to just be part of this team and, and to try something new and something that was out of my comfort zone. And I, I really enjoyed the experience. And it was a difficult decision because on the track team, I would have been our top 800 meter runner. And I had a lot of friends on that team as well. And a lot of people, including the coaches and, and my teammates that wanted me to, to run track. Uh, but I knew that the track team wasn't going to be very competitive. And so that was one reason why I didn't really want to go out for track. Uh, and then also I knew that lacrosse team was, was going to be quite good and was going to be a lot of fun to be a part of, of that team. We ended up going on to, to win the conference championship and went pretty far in the state tournament. And it was a lot of fun, as I mentioned, just making new friends, trying something new. And so I thought it was an important story to tell because this is obviously going back to my high school years, but whether you're an adult or you know in high school or, or whatever stage of life you're in, I think that it's really important to follow your heart and do the things that 
you're inspired to do and you're passionate about and you're interested in and and do things that that scare you do things that are outside your comfort zone and it's okay that not every season of life looks the same in fact i think it's good um you know there's a lot of of research out there that shows that growing up there's a lot of benefits of doing different sports and doing different activities and not just focusing in on on one sport or one extracurricular at a very young age because you can learn a lot from different things and so a lot of us amateur runners we tend to focus really a lot on running and you know I, I do have other hobbies I play hockey once a week and I I do other things but running is probably the you know the biggest hobby per se in my life so how I think you can vary this up if you're somebody that that runs a fair amount is that you can change it up by running different routes, running on different surfaces, running on roads, running on trails, hiking, um, running on grass, running barefoot, doing things that are going to change it up, keep things interesting, spice it up, run with friends, um, things that will just continue to to make it interesting. And then also, don't be afraid to take some time away from running or cut back the running and, and go focus on other things, whether that's joining a, a kickball league. I've got a few athletes I'm coaching right now that are doing uh, summer like softball and soccer leagues and things like that. And, and that's phenomenal. I think that's great. It's a great way to work on your athleticism, a great way to try something different, make friends in another uh, another part of the world you know people you might not normally interact with and change it up you know whether that's in in athletics or in other parts of your life whether it's going to trivia joining a book club doing yoga doing things that are are different and and even if that means that you take a break from running every now and again that's okay you know if you have some big scary goals in running like you know you want to qualify for the boston marathon and you're you know, 30 minutes away. Yeah, that's going to take some time. It's going to take commitment. You're going to have to prioritize running for two, three, four years. But if you don't have one of those goals where you, it's a long-term vision and you're like, man, I really want to run Leadville one day or want to qualify for the Olympic trials or whatever that big scary goal might be. If you don't have one of those and it's just like, I want to stay fit. I want to do things that I enjoy. I want to you know, continue to do the things that, that challenge me, that I love to do, but right now running isn't top priority. That's all right. You know, try something different. Try something new. Join a pickleball league. Join a, uh, a meetup group for knitting. I don't know. Anything that just change it up and find something different because there are seasons of life and it doesn't need to be running, running, running all the time. So Hopefully that story is helpful. You know, when I look back, I have zero regrets about not running track my senior year of high school. Like at at the time, it was a really tough decision. But now looking back, I'm really glad that I did something different. I could have just said, ah, screw it. I'll just run track because that's what I've done the last three years. And I I decided not to. I did something scary and I went out and tried a new sport. And it it turned out to be a, a really great experience. So story time. I hope that was helpful and interesting and maybe... Uh, something that you can apply in in your everyday life. So the main topic for today is going to be on how to PR in your marathon this fall. So this applies to 
other distances, but I'm going to really talk mostly about the marathon because as we head into uh, August here, today's August 1st, we are now in in the site of the fall majors. So we have Berlin coming up in less than eight weeks. We have Chicago coming up. We have New York coming up. We have CIM coming up. That's just to mention a lot of the big ones. So you're probably in the, the meat of your training. Um, you're, you're getting into those higher volume weeks. You are hitting some longer long runs. You're hitting some good workouts. And this is a really crucial time. So I wanted to share some of my tips for how you can make sure that you are setting yourself up for success come race day. Now, this doesn't mean you're guaranteed to go out and PR, but I think that these four things that I'm going to talk about today are really beneficial for setting yourself up for success. So number one, recover just as intensely as you train. We are really, really good at hammering out the miles. Us humans, especially type A people, we are box checkers. We're going out. We're trying to hit every single run as prescribed and do it perfectly. We, where we often cut corners is on the recovery side. And where the elites are much better than us is that they are able to prioritize recovery better. Where us amateurs go train in the morning, then we go to work, maybe we have family, maybe, you know, maybe we have other commitments going on um, that, that take up a lot of our time and energy and are stressful. Elite runners are often able to go home after their training session. They do some physical therapy, they get a massage, they take a nap, they're focusing on their nutrition, they're making sure they're taking in enough fuel and rehydrating and doing all these things that are helping them recover from the training that they're doing. And oftentimes it's the amateur runners that are trying to squeeze in all this training and they're just cutting out some of that time of sleep, they're cutting out some of that time where they can rest and they're not getting enough recovery. And so this training that we're doing is now going to start breaking the body down to the point where you're going to get sick, you're going to burn out, you're going to get injured, um, or you're just going to feel flat on race day. So recover just as intensely as you train. Number two, don't chase fitness, be patient. I see a lot of amateur runners that will start chasing fitness. And what I mean by that is they'll get they'll feel rushed to get fit for a race. So they'll maybe they'll go out for a long run and they'll be unhappy with the paces that they're running or they will do a tune-up race and they will be unhappy with their result. And they'll double down. They'll start cramming in the mileage. They'll start doing more harder workouts. They'll start running faster on their easy run days. They're trying to get fit in any way they possibly can. And... The reality is you're probably, if you are having trouble showing up, whether it's on a workout day, in a long run, in a race, if you're feeling flat and you're just not getting the results you want, there's a pretty good chance that you are over fatiguing yourself. And by doubling down and chasing fitness, you are now digging that hole even deeper. So the best thing that you can do Right, is stop digging and be patient. Trust the process. Maybe that means you have to dial back your training for a week or so. Maybe that means you need to slow down 
to allow yourself to speed up on those workout days. Be patient. Trust that over time, stacking bricks, building from one week to the next to the next, your fitness is going to come around. But if you try to force it, that's a really good way to, again, get hurt, burn out, get sick, and all of those things that we want to avoid. Number three, practice your fueling and increase your carbohydrate intake. So I'm a big, big fan of utilizing the fuel that's on the race course. I don't like, personally, I do not like to carry six gels with me. I find that to be very cumbersome. And so I would rather run as light as possible and utilize the fuel that's on course. Now, nutrition is something that's very specific. Some people have more sensitive stomachs and they really need to just go with what they know. And when you're limited to what you have on course, sometimes that that can be tough for people who have you know more sensitive stomachs. For me, I have been able to use pretty much every type of gel without issue. So for me, I'm training for the Berlin Marathon. I have previously used the Morton gels. I haven't used them since Boston Marathon 2021, but I'm going to be training almost exclusively with Morton, especially in my long runs in the last two months before, well, we're inside two months, um, before Berlin. And the reason why is that Morton is what's offered on course. And I want to make sure that my gut is prepared to take in Morton gels so that when I'm on course, I can... I can pick up those Morton gels at the aid stations and I can utilize those instead of having to carry my own. But regardless of what you decide to do, practice your fueling. Decide what you're going to be using, whether it's what they have on course or your own. Make sure you decide and figure out that that fueling strategy so that you know as far as the gels you're taking in, uh, if you're going to be taking in water or sports drinks or electrolyte, figure out what you're going to be taking in and practice that as closely as possible to what you're going to be doing on race day so that your gut is prepared for what race day is going to be like. And don't just practice in your your long runs. Make sure you're practicing at some faster paces too. So in your workouts, when you're going you know, marathon pace, maybe doing some tempo runs, practice then too. Because your gut is going to respond differently when you're moving at different paces and different intensities. So make sure you're practicing your fueling. Increase your carbohydrate to intake. This was something that Vic Johnson helped me a lot with. He's been on my podcast a couple times before. He was my nutritionist and and still is a supporter of mine. And um, he helped me a lot with increasing my carbohydrate intake and realizing that I was under fueling. On a lot of my runs and a lot of my races, I was under fueling. Carbohydrate is something that is, is the body's desired fuel source. So it is, you know, it, it's what the body wants when we are exercising. Increasing your carbohydrate intake is going to really help you avoid those bonk, bonks out there on course. So do what you can to increase your carbohydrates per hour. So if you're currently taking in 40 grams of carbs per hour, bump that up to 50, see how that feels. Bump that up to 60, see how that feels. If you're able to take in more, because the more carbs you can take in, the more bonk proof you're going to be. All right, so there's three. Here's number four. This is at the end of your training cycle. You're getting close to, to race day. You're two, maybe three weeks out. Trust the taper. 
again, with going back to like chasing fitness, I've seen a lot of people who try to cram in one or two or three more workouts in those last three weeks before, before race day. And they're trying to, to just get a little bit more fit. Now here's the, the, the bottom line, the fact of the matter is that within about 10 to 14 days, you are not going to see any benefit from those workouts on race day because it takes about that time, somewhere in the 10, 12, 14 day range for adaptations to actually occur in the body. So does that mean you're only running easy the last two weeks before your race? No. Does that mean that you are not running the two weeks before your race? No, certainly not. What you're going to do is you're going to reduce your volume and reduce your intensity. So you're still mixing in some intensity because we do want to sharpen up. You know, we're, we're doing maybe shorter intervals. We're getting that feeling of, of the turnover and leg speed, but we are avoiding doing anything that's going to be super fatiguing, anything that, that is not going to benefit us on race day. So if we're doing like, you know, super hard VO2 max intervals on the track eight days out from a marathon, that is not helping us. You're not going to see the benefits from that session until a week after the marathon. So that is, you know, the only thing that is going to do is increase the fatigue, increase the stress. And now you've got to recover before race day. So trust the taper, trust that, uh, you know, by reducing the volume, reducing the intensity, you're going to allow your body to recover, to feel fresh, to feel sharp, um, to feel good on the start line so that when you go out there, you can, can give it hell. Um, you know, I think another way that I, um, look at trusting the taper is I think a lot of individuals will often look at their, their training and say, well, how the heck am I going to run X time in this race when I've been running X pace in my long runs and my easy runs and whatnot? And so my advice to those people is, again, trust the taper because you'd be shocked how much you can uh, improve when you don't have that cumulative fatigue in the legs Throughout training, you're you're building up a lot of fatigue, and you know you're never fresh. You're never able to, in in optimal shape to go out there and show what your fitness is is capable of. By tapering, we are allowing ourselves to go out and actually express what we are capable of. So, if you're not happy with where you're at in training, trust the taper. Trust that the taper is going to allow you to hit another level on race day than what you may think you can in training. We all have those thoughts in our minds, those doubts of, man, I, I'm running this pace in my 18 mile long run. How the heck am I going to go out there and run a minute per mile faster for another eight miles? And it's easy to have those, those doubts and those thoughts creep in. But the reality is that with a good taper, um, with the excitement of race day, the competitive atmosphere, um, with you know our race shoes and the excitement of, of race day, you will be able to get a lot more out of yourself. So trust the taper. There's my four tips for how to PR in your fall marathon this year. 
recover just as intensely as you train, don't chase fitness, be patient, practice your fueling and increase your carbohydrate intake in training, and trust the taper. So those are my four tips. I'm sure I could give you another dozen, but those are the four that I wanted to focus on today. Hope that was helpful and you enjoyed my little story time there. Um, I will be back again next week. I plan to have an interview podcast out next week, so you can look forward to that one. Until then, be well.